0: we we'll would like to begin by saying good morning to all of you again watching here in person and a special welcome to anybody watching online. A couple of shout outs to those watching live with us right now. Good morning to Rudy and Gertrude, to Brenda, Jamie, Paul and Darla, to Jacqueline, Peggy, Judy, Andy, the list goes on and on, Tanya, Doris, Carrie, Alicia. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us online, whether you're watching live or if you're watching this recorded later, it is great to be able to join you. It is my privilege to be able to share God's word with you. And as I look at this sermon series that's happening here at St. Mark, this idea of better than before, I love it because it's like the most fundamental plan for improvement, right? You're not saying uh, to be the best. It's not saying uh, to be perfect. No, it's just saying like better than before, which given the year we just completed, that is a super low bar, right? Look back over 2020, we're just looking to be better than that. Oh, easy, right? Better than before. And praise God, it's not be perfect. If it wasn't for Jesus, actually, that would be every sermon you ever hear in any church. It would be how to be perfect so that you might try and get into heaven. But because of Jesus, we don't have to, to pursue that in the same way. Though I will say, I do think that there is a problem in the American church where we kind of put on that, that facade of perfection. We pretend that we are perfect and it becomes, like this morning, all across Texas, there are families who are like, hey, Troy and Emmett, come on, wake up. We got to get to church. Put on your nice clothes that you don't like wearing. We got to go. No, you can't bring your Nintendo Switch to church because you got to look holy. For once, you're not going to look like a holy terror. You're going to be a holy, all right, because the neighbors are judging us. That is why we're going right now. No, we're going to leave the dysfunction right here, right Okay, well, we'll have a little dysfunction in the car, but then as soon as we hit that parking lot, we are perfect. Do you understand me? The issue with that is that if you're not part of the church and you walk in and everybody is faking being perfect, you're going to say, I don't belong here. But the church is not a place for perfect people. The church is a place for broken people who are repaired by God and God alone. And so we don't say how to be perfect, but to be better than before. And today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that dysfunction, that little dysfunction, that frustration, those little stressors that you experience in your life, and how we can see those in our day-to-day life and be better than before. Before I begin, if you could please join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this chance sir. We can worship, whether it be here in this place, digitally, online. We thank you for giving us the technology available that we can still worship in this this crazy time. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. Lord, let it be your message. Let it not be about me or even from me, but it be from you. Lord, speak in this place and be heard. Help us to submit to you, to know your truth, to know who you are, and to know how we can live in response to that. In your name we pray, amen. So last week, Pastor Matt shared a great like, foundational principle when it comes to this idea of better than before. Really, it's a foundational principle for, for being a Christian. And he kind of made everybody say it together, but it was, I have and will experience trauma. The idea that we live in a broken world, and because we live in a broken world that we contribute to, right? like we're part of that, we're going to experience pain. Things are not going to be perfect. We're going to experience frustration in this world. We're going to feel that brokenness. And if you don't see that, if you don't recognize that, well, then why are you in church? This is a place for broken people in a broken world who are made whole by God. Unfortunately, a lot of times we'll have things in our lives, brokenness, trauma, that we just kind of like overlook We'll deal with it first, and then we're like, nah, we'll just pretend that never happened. It's like this. About a month or so ago, uh, here in Houston, a big cold front blew through, really windy, big storm. And in my backyard, our new house, uh, a tree fell over, fell right on our fence, just shattered the whole part of the fence. And we have two little dogs. So I said, well, I don't want the dogs to get out, so this is a crisis that I have to deal with. So I went out there in the pouring, freezing cold rain and, and step one was like chop up the tree, had to buy a chainsaw, didn't have that. Chopped up the tree and then I'm looking I'm like, I, I don't know how to build a fence. I don't know the first thing about building a fence but I can MacGyver a situation here. So I actually got some like plastic netting and, and way too many two by fours and kind of drilled, actually used part of the trunk of the tree that just fell as part of my solution. Um, and it worked, the dogs can't get out But I definitely have like a janky section of fence now. And if I don't call somebody out to get it fixed, like I I just kind of, and I I think a lot of us in our lives probably have some janky sections of fence, probably have some things in our life that we dealt with the immediate issue, the initial pain and sorrow, but then we just kind of like, we don't look in that direction. People are like, oh, what's that? And you're like, oh, that? No, no. That's that's where a coworker said something that cut to the core. I don't, I don't think about that. No. No, that's that's a family issue. No, no, we definitely don't touch. That's where like a girlfriend cheated on me in high school. We that we don't even look at that part of the fence. That's just my janky fence. Don't pay attention there. And as long as we just overlook it and ignore the fact that there is trauma, it'll never get any better. It'll never heal. It'll never be improved. It'll never be properly fixed. And so that's what last week's message was all about. And if you missed it, by all means, go online. It was a tremendous message, as so many of Pastor Matt's are. Now, those are big traumas. Those are like the big things in life, the things that eventually you have to pay to talk to a counselor about. What about the little frustrations? Those little like day-to-day things that just drive you crazy. What about those little frustrations? How can we seek to be better than before when it comes to those? Well, let's visit again kind of our main theme verse for this this sermon series, Romans chapter 5. Let's see what Romans chapter 5, it says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. I want to focus on really just one word in that entire thing, character. That character that produces hope. What is character? You could say it's like integrity. You could say character is really who we are. I wanted to get kind of an outside perspective on this, so I looked up Arthur Schopenhauer. He says it this way. Men best show their character in trifles, little small things, when they're not on their guard. It's in the simplest habits that we often see the boundless egotism, which pays no regard to the feelings of others and denies nothing to itself. Basically, what he's saying is when it comes to our character, when left unchecked, we focus solely on ourselves. We become a very selfish person. Now, with that grim view of character in mind, how can we, in that Romans verse, say that character produces hope? How can something that so often points to our sinfulness produce hope? Well, because when we make a selfless decision, we do something proper in character, and we, we pursue the right thing, a thing of God, it really it's a glimpse of heaven. It's a glimpse of God at work, it's a glimpse of the fact that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, inspiring us onto something beyond our sinful nature. And so character continues to grow, continues to show us a little bit more of God. So with that in mind, we find ourselves, let's say, with some sort of trifle, some sort of little thing, something that makes us frustrated, stressed, upset. What do we do? How do we show that character? How can we seek to be better than before? Let me, um, let me say it like this. Far too often, we allow ourselves to react when we should respond. We allow ourselves to react when we should respond. And you're thinking, well, what's, what's the big difference there? That's going to be one of those dumb sermon nuances. Yeah, it is, but we'll get to it in just a moment. Let me illustrate. So I, I'm currently teaching at a, Epiphany Lutheran School, and a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was just, it was one of those days. I teach in middle school, and that particular day, the middle schoolers were like extra middle school-y. If you know middle schoolers, you know what I'm talking about. And they were just driving me crazy all day long, and finally I get to the end of my day, I'm like, get to go home. And then I look around. My classroom, and not only were the middle schoolers extra middle school-y, but the sixth graders, which is my homeroom class, were extra sixth grader-y, and so, like, it was disgusting. Like, the room was just a disaster, and I had to do extra cleaning, and I was just so tired and so just done, and I was starving. And anybody who's starving and doesn't have a lot of time, uh, like anybody in the state of Texas, I went to Whataburger. (laughs) By the way, as I was going through the drive-thru, I looked at the sign. I looked at my cup. I examined the bag. It's What-A-Burger. It's not Whataburger. There's no R in there. I don't know where you people picked this up, but it's not Whataburger. My students are always trying, no, it's Whataburger. No. Okay. So I order my Whataburger, What-A-Burger, and I get back to the house, and I, I get my briefcase, and I got my keys, and I, I grab my, you know, my heart attack in a sack, and I grab all this stuff, right? And I go, I go to go inside. I go to grab my, my cup, that like gallon of soda that's a small there. And, and the cup holder had like a vice grip on it. And so I'm like pulling. And in that moment, the structural integrity of that styrofoam cup became compromised. And the lid popped off and Dr. Pepper went everywhere. And I found myself standing in my driveway, still burdened down with things, And I reacted and I just like, the most primal guttural scream, it just all poured out of me. Who knows what the neighbors think now, but, and it was in that moment that I realized there's probably a deeper issue at play here that I might want to talk to somebody about, because this doesn't seem like it's about the Dr. Pepper. Um, That's a reaction. That is how we react. Because see, reaction comes from a place of emotion. Reaction comes from a place of frustration. Reaction comes from a place of stress versus response. To respond in that situation as the lid came off my Dr. Pepper it would have been like, I don't know, set some of these things down. Be a little more careful. God forbid I take two trips. That's how you respond with rational thinking. With, with See, if reacting comes from a place of emotion and stress and anxiety... To respond comes from a place of peace, of normal thinking, of saying, hey, this Dr. Pepper isn't a life or death situation. You'll be all right. And I'm using that phrase comes from intentionally because I did some research. I did some research and Dr. Rick Hansen, uh, he talks about how the brain, uh, these these two responses, the reactant response, they come from different parts of your brain. The subcortex is where we get that reaction. And the subcortex is essentially the survival part of your brain. It's saying like, hey, there's a stressful situation, body, do something, we got to deal with this, this is a problem. And so it releases all these like stress hormones and it gets your nervous system going, your heart starts racing a little bit. Basically, it's triggering a fight or flight mechanism. It's saying you need to survive this situation. Now listen, me spilling my Dr. Pepper is not life or death. But we so rarely encounter things like that. Our bar for like, that stress moment has dropped significantly in our modern age. So what's happening is your subcortex is saying, panic, panic, panic. Now, the neocortex, that's the part that, that brings that response, that rational thinking of like, hey, uh, maybe calm down a little bit, all right? The screaming in the driveway thing, kind of a problem. That's the neocortex. And that's why when something happens to you, what you're going to want to do is Pause, pause, and let that neocortex catch up a little bit and say, hey, guys, uh, this isn't the crisis you think it is. We're going to be okay. Let's be rational about this. Let's actually think this through. Even the etymology of these two words, react and respond, kind of indicates what they're at. So, So react, re means again, act, to act again. Essentially, what you're doing is you're acting again on top of a situation. And more often than not, think of some various scenarios where you may react, like your, your kid spills his milk or, or a coworker says something kind of frustrating or, or somebody cuts you off in traffic, right? Your action, your reaction, your acting again typically adds more chaos to the situation. It's more focused on the problem and saying, this is a problem and I want everybody to know that this is a problem. That is react. Now Respond. Spawn essentially, it comes from the word where we get sponsor. It's to pledge or to promise. And so if reacting is to act again, essentially, you're responding. You're saying back, I'm going to promise to be rational about this, to be calm about this. And not react, but respond. Let's tackle this theologically right because it is a sermon after all so when it comes to the theological side of react versus respond if you look through the book of proverbs time and time and time and time again it says the fool reacts in anger the fool reacts quickly the fool responds in such a way that causes issue but the wise man responds in peace you could say that you're responding with the spirit to respond with the Spirit. And you're thinking like, preacher man, respond with the Spirit. Like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to respond with that? It's a great thing to put like in a a sermon note, but what does it mean to respond with the Spirit, right? The whole idea of this sermon series is to be better than before, to grow through the trauma that you experience. Pastor Matt talked about that with with the wine, uh, the, the grapes in the vineyards. How do you grow based upon the little traumas? How do you grow by responding with the Spirit? How do you even know? What it means to follow the Spirit. If only the Bible said something about like growing with the growing plant, like a fruit. Fruit Fruit of the Spirit. There we go. We just heard about the fruit of the Spirit. It says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I, I think part of the issue in our modern age is that's a really long list. And you're like, I got to check off all those things every time I go through something. No, this is essentially like if you go on WebMD and it has that long list of symptoms. Like if you have this, these are the things that you're going to see. That's what this fruit of the spirit is. If you're following the way of the spirit, if you're following the path of the spirit, if you're looking to respond with the spirit, you'll start to see these things. And let me ask you this. How would this world be different? If rather than reacting with anger and emotion, we paused and responded with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. How would your workplace be different? How would your family be different? If rather than reacting to every little slight, every little issue, every little stressor that, that triggers that fight or flight response, you paused And you responded with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. How would our political landscape look if that was how we lived? We sought to respond with reasoned, rational thought. Love, joy, peace, patience. My friends, there's an issue because so many people look at the church and they see us reacting. Whether it be a Facebook post, got to correct that person, got to tell that somebody's wrong on the internet, got to fix it. We react far too often in doing so, we show our sin. We show our brokenness rather than pausing and seeking the way of the spirit, seeking the way that God lays out for us, seeking to respond in a way that shows the fruit of the spirit, shows that symptom of having the spirit within us. What would that world look like if we set that tone, if we set that example? If people looked at us and said, now hold on, what is the reason for the hope that you have? And you say, because I have a character imbued by the Holy Spirit that helps me to choose, because it does take work. To choose to respond in a peaceful and rational and a loving and compassionate way. What is the reason for the hope that you have? And we say, my friend, it is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. It is through the power of God that I can have patience when these things happen. But instead, they look at us and they see us no different than the rest of the world. People are hurting. And we as the church are just adding to that hurt by reacting out of anger and sin and frustration. Now, I want to end with this. Uh, That Dr. Rick Hansen, I was listening to a podcast of his. And he talked about how when he was younger, he used to be a rock climber. And he said the first couple times that he went rock climbing, um, he knew intellectually, objectively, he's a doctor, he knew objectively that he was safe. He knew that the equipment was there and he'd watched other people do it. He knew that he had a spotter down below keeping eye on the rope the whole nine yards. But he said, I knew all those things, but the whole time my subcortex was screaming. It was saying, we need to survive, this is a danger situation. He said his heart was pounding, he was sweating like crazy, he was in full-fledged panic mode. But he said over time, the more he did it, the more he came to trust. The more he came to trust the equipment, the more he came to trust his spotters, the more he came even to trust himself. He said he got to the point where he would be climbing and he'd reach for a rock and he would find that it was loose, and rather than panicking, rather than his heart racing, rather than feeling, oh no, this is the end, he would just go, oh, I'll just grab a different rock. See, it takes training to move beyond that subcortex reaction thinking, to say, yes, this is a stressful and dangerous situation, but I've got it under control. And I've got it under control because of two reasons. One, God made me. He gave me a brain. He gave me an intellect. He's put me in situations. But more than that, because I have an almighty, all-powerful God who spoke and the entire universe happened. And he knows me. And he cares about me. And he is with me and protects me. And above all of that, no matter what happens in this situation, no matter what happens in our life, no matter how the the world goes, no matter what circumstance things throw at me, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my God loves me and that I have a promise that I'll be set free from this broken world with its trauma, with its hurt, with its sorrow. That one day I'll get to be in paradise forever. And it's based on nothing that I've done. But on everything he did. That's what we trust in, And so the more you trust, the more you're able to pause and say, hey, subcortex, pipe down a minute, all right? I'll be all right because I got God on my side. Hey, neocortex, let's go. Move it on. I got I to be rational here. We got to trust. And who our God is, who God made us To be so that our character can produce hope, not just for us, but for so many people who live in this broken world, who experience darkness and pain and frustration, and they don't know who to trust. They don't know about the love of God, and we can be there and say, look at the character, these decisions that I make, they're not me, but instead it's because I have trust in him, and we can share that hope with them. In this world, we're going to encounter trouble. Jesus said as much. In this world, there will be trouble. Pretty obvious statement. But then he goes on to say, but take heart because I have overcome this world. In this world, you're going to experience trauma. In this world, you're going to experience frustration, little trifles. Your your thumb's going to end up inside the Dr. Pepper You're going to have janky fences in this world, but take heart because I have overcome this world. Because our God loves us. And our God is powerful. And so we trust. So the challenge is, when you encounter these issues, take a moment. Choose to not react, but instead to respond with the Spirit. And that is how we'll be better than before. All by the grace of God and through the love of Jesus Christ, who gives us hope, who gives us love, who gives us the very life that we have. In his name, amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today asking that you would give us the courage to trust that you would give us the strength to trust in you, to trust that you have made us, that you are with us, that you are guiding us. Help us to follow the way of the Spirit. Lord, as we encounter the frustrations of this world, and there will be many, just as we will cause many for many people, help us to not react, to act again, to, to add to the chaos and the frustration and the hurt, but instead to respond, to seek not about the problem, but instead to seek the solution. Lord, help us to know you to model you, to show you to the world that needs to know hope. Remind us, Lord, that you are with us. Help us, Lord, to respond to the challenge to be better than before. Pray all these things through Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.